0: How many of you got my email about the end of the world next this coming Saturday? Okay, we won't have church next week possibly, um, so I'm not even going to worry about my sermon. Uh, we're talking, we're talking about caught up to meet him in the air, the end of the world. What do we do about it? How many of you had heard about May 21st as the rapture of the church before I sent the email out? Anybody? Okay, some of you had heard. It's getting news attention. I'm sure it's going to get it this week, particularly Friday, I'm guessing. Um, I was walking by TV and uh, Regis and Kelly were talking about it May 21st as the end of the world, making a little bit of fun of it. I did some research this week on, on the Internet, and uh, there is some British TV comedy show talking about it, really mocking Christians and Christianity and about uh, the end of the world kind of stuff. And uh, I'm just going to shut this off before it and me gets struck by lightning. Um, you know, so there's all kinds of things. And there's a group, I think they're out of California, I'm not sure, uh, a, a pastor and a group who, through a very long series of events, I won't even begin to explain because I don't understand necessarily either, have decided that May 21st, 2011, will be the rapture of the church. It will not be the end of the world. That's October 21st of this year. There's, church gets taken out, then there's five months of judgment, and then the world comes to an end October 21st. And so this has been promoted. In fact, they have, I think, have sold a lot of their stuff. Of course, they believe this, so they don't need their houses after this week, some of those things. They have put billboards and, and uh, stuff on the Internet all over the world. They spend money to broadcast this all over the world. And so on, on our pastor's list uh cog pastors uh we've been discussing this um and a couple of our pastors have met some of these folks at different festivals and they often are in campers i'm guessing because they sold their house and they got a camper now but on the side of their campers they have these big billboard signs may 21st end of the world kind of scenario and so uh one pastor in Michigan, had, he actually owns a campground, and they were parked there for a while. He had a chance to talk to him a little bit. And my brother, Danny, uh, the redheaded one uh, in Illinois, I just have to distinguish that in case you didn't know. Um, he uh, was at a festival, and there was a camper there with a sign on it, and they were handing out tracks. And so my brother actually got to have a conversation with them, and they, you know, talking to him why they think May 21st is it. And, uh, and my brother asks a question. He says, what happens on May 22nd if, if he doesn't come? And she says, that's not even an option in my mind. You've got to you know, appreciate their faith. Anyway, she exchanged emails with my brother and said, let's keep in contact and talk about this. And so he plans on emailing her on the 22nd and maybe offering her another way of looking at things. Now... With all that said, without a long explanation of why they think this is this, uh, there's a couple responses that we can have to that. And because this coming week, you're probably going to hear a lot about this, uh, here and there. Um, What response do we have? And of course, one is to make light of it, and uh, and and maybe not even make light, but to ridicule it, as some of those places have done. I don't want to do that. I don't think they're correct. But I am all for it if they're right. I have no problem with this Saturday being meeting the Lord, all right, in the air. I have no, you hear that, right? I have no issue with that. In fact, this afternoon, before I have to drive the bus an hour and a half, would be just cool <laughs> in my book. Now, if any of you going on the trip are not right with the Lord, you don't want the rapture to happen this afternoon because I'm planning on leaving the bus. So... <laughs> You better make sure you're all right, or get up to the front of the bus quickly, okay? And so I want to talk today just to kind of, to share some things about the concept of the rapture, and and uh, some of the young people are saying, you mean the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, the raptors? No, not the raptors, but the rapture. And uh, I want to talk about the end times a little bit, we're just, we're going to do, we're going to do about 10 week study of prophecy in 15 minutes, Okay? We're going we're gonna to give you a shotgun blast at the end of the age and with very little detail. But I just want to address this. It came up Wednesday night. In fact, I'm thinking probably after the summer, uh, we may have an elective class for adults and we're going to maybe study some of this the issue. Uh, but, you know, we can ridicule or we can make fun or we can buy into it. And if, and if I do buy into it, if I decide today that May 21st, this Saturday, is the end of the world, I'm going to go get one of these tomorrow. Right there, baby. <laughs> that will be mine. I won't even have to make the first payment. I don't want any discounts. Just let me sign on the line. I'll take whatever you got. And those back wheels by, Saturday, by Friday night will be gone. I will burn them at every stop sign I can. All right, enough said. Back to the real slide. It's all right. I'm getting a little hot here. That's a Hemi-RT Challenger 2011. If it was just in Hot Rod Orange, would be even better. But anyway, it's close. <clears throat> Tomorrow, that's what I'm getting if, if I really were to buy into this. And just think, think how fast I could have go to different people's house to evangelize if I had one of those. That's why I want one. Just no other reason is get the gospel there quick because we only got a few days. And so we can, you know, a lot of responses to it. Uh, and, you know, of course, if you were one of the followers that believe this, this week would be a different week than most weeks for you. Now, we're going to talk about it at the end of, this, the pa- of the sermon today that it really doesn't matter what time it is. We're supposed to be the same kind of people all the time. That's the main point I'm going to make today. But let's face it, if this really was the last week, I would be driving one of those if I believed, I promised you, all right? I'd just go sign on dot a line, whatever, you know, and... Uh, But our lives would be different. We we wouldn't worry about getting to work. We wouldn't worry about... We'd be spending time calling everybody we know that we don't think knows the Lord and talking to them about it. And so it would be different if we knew this was last week. But what if this is our last week and not the world's last week? Why aren't we still calling those people? Why aren't we still talking? And that's kind of where I want to go today. And so... But I want to just back up and do... You know... There's a problem in Christianity... That Those who've been in it a while, we use words and ideas and we assume everybody else knows and that's not always the case. And, and so just the word rapture itself, and that's what they're talking about May 21st, this Saturday, is the rapture of the church. And if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17, we're going to talk about this. As you're looking, getting there, by the way, the word rapture does not appear in Scripture, but the concept does, and it's pretty much in this verse. First Thessalonians 4, Paul's talking to comfort those who have lost loved ones. He's saying don't be afraid about those who are asleep because we've got the hope of the resurrection. And he says in verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. For our study today and our concept, I want you to underline trumpet of God there. So he's going to shout, give a call, and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's what's on my mom's tombstone. The dead in Christ will rise first, which means before us, if we're alive. Then, after they're resurrected, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up, underline or circle that, caught up, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right? And so, the dead in Christ... Get transformed immortality first. They, maybe that twinkling of an eye, right? Just a little ahead of us. Just imagine if you're a, a grave tender, <laughs> and a caretaker, and you're out mowing. <laughs> wow. That would be a little terrifying, wouldn't it? All come shooting up out of the graves. And uh, just just hope you're mowing over a heathen at the time. <laughs> and um, so you don't get knocked off your mower. Uh, that's horrible. Why did I say that? Well, Oh, well, it possessed me to say such things. I need more sleep. Anyway, you know, it says, so the dead in Christ rise first. Boom. You know, they take the breath, and they're changed. You know, they may think they're still in the de- you know in the hospital, wherever it happened when they died and resurrected. This says, and we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with them. And this is where Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 15 that... Uh, You know, that verse that is great for a a child's nursery, you know, moms, if you're wanting to paint something, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's a great verse for your nursery. Although he's not talking about diapers there or babies. It says, We shall not all sleep, the biblical word for death, unconscious state from which we can be awakened. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And so, and he says, This mortal will put on immortality. This five foot nine will be six foot four and thick head of hair. Those things will happen. That's in the Greek. Read it. Anyway, and so the resurrection happens and we are given immortality at this last trumpet concept. And the reason I bring this up, because in our discussion of all the feasts, the Jewish feast, the next feast that hasn't been fulfilled by either Jesus or the church is the Feast of Trumpets. And this year, that's September 29th. September 29th is the Feast of Trumpets this year. It's usually September time. The Jewish calendar moves differently than ours does. Remember, Jesus was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, raised on first fruits. He fulfilled those, and then the church was birthed on Pentecost. That's the fourth feast. The fifth feast in the line of feasts that what I sent out is the feast of trumpets, which I think will be the fulfillment of the return of Christ. Now, you know, here I am saying I don't think May 21st is it, and now you just told me September 29th is it. I did not tell you that. What I tell you is, I think when Christ does come, it will probably be on the Feast of Trumpets. I'm happy to be wrong, and I'm not telling you it's the truth for sure. But since they fulfilled all the other feasts, God did, I'm guessing he's going to fulfill that one. And remember what it says here, at the trumpet call of God. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 also says, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ, the last trumpet, and we're going to look at those in just a minute, the dead in Christ shall be raised. Everywhere you see uh, Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, when they open the seventh trumpet, the angel blows his trumpet and says, it comes a time for the rewarding of the saints. Well, what's the reward of the saints? Resurrection and immortality. And so all these things happen at the last trumpet. And so this is the coming of Christ, the, the end of the age kind of issues that we're looking forward to. And so I think that will probably be at the Feast of Trumpets, don't know that, and I'm not setting dates. And Jesus can come whenever He wants. Uh, he wasn't going to ask me anyway. <clears throat> so, but I think maybe Feast of Trumpets, and that's why I want to talk about in the context that we've been discussing the feast and the prophetic uh, situations that sur- surround that. And so here's where we get the concept of rapture in the Greek: this this caught up, this lifted, raptured. You know, this idea of, you know, when when you look into your boyfriend's eyes or your girlfriend's eyes for the first time. You're enraptured, you know, just taken up in the in the glory and and the, the beauty of of their eyes, right, just like you do now with your husband and wife, right? after 25 years, you think, do they still have eyes? I'm not sure <laughs> I, I don't know. I think they have eyes. We should, and if you don't know what color your mate's eyes are, just go like this and look over real carefully, and so you can tell them later, "I love your blue eyes or brown eyes, or whatever it happens to be. All right. Rapture, it's the same idea here, okay? It means a catching up. We're caught up to meet in the air. And the symbolism, by the way, that's when I say rapture, that's what I'm talking about, is if you're a dead Christian or a live Christian, the dead pop out first, and then we who are alive, change, and we caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. This is a symbolic of what happened all the time in Jewish culture, is that when a king would go out to conquer, he'd go out to conquer, and when they won, they would send a runner back ahead of time saying, yes, the king and the army has won come out to meet him. And so the city would know that the king is coming back with all the spoils of war, all all the spoils. And so when the king would get close enough, the whole city would go out and meet the king, and they would have this grand parade back to the city. That's what this rapture is about. We're caught up to meet the returning, conquering king, and we return with him to reign and rule on the earth, Revelation 5, 9, and 10. We shall reign as kings and priests on this earth. And so those are the things that are taking place. So what I'd like to do today is give you a long study in in, uh, prophecy, real short, okay? If you want to go to the first slide there, Josiah. This is a slide that I used a number of years ago as we talked about some of these issues. And because Wednesday night we began to discuss, and it's, it's hard to just say it and hear it, so I wanted to show you, I want to give you a quick timeline. If this red line represents the time that we are alive in, our timeline... The Bible calls this time we live in... We're not going to read all these, but the present evil age. That's what the Scriptures call what you're living in now. Watch the news and you'll see that it's pretty much correct, right? This present evil age. Now, the Bible says what brings this present evil age to the end is a seven-year time of tribulation. And so this present evil age, however long it lasts, 21st of this next Saturday or longer, whenever the thing that ends the present evil age and starts the kingdom age is there will be seven years of tribulation. And so this tribulation time is, uh, the Bible calls it tribulation, which means a time of trouble. And for seven years, there's going to be uh, a magnified time of trouble on this earth. And I want to expand that seven years right now. And so we're going to spread that out. And this is that last seven years of time. During this time, the, the Bible talks there's, by the way, seven is the number of God, right? And so seven years of tribulation. And then within this seven years, there are three sets of troubles coming. And they all come in sevens. So the first one is the seven seals. Not the or, or, or kind. <laughs> Although they're cute, but they're not very terrifying in terms of judgment. All right? And so this is seals. And if you ever watch an old movie, someone would roll up a scroll, they pour wax on it, and then take their signet ring, push it into the wax that means, you know, this is the king sent this to you. You break the seal. And that, so if, if you got this note and the seal is already broken, you know somebody else has read it in transit somewhere. And so there are seven seals. And you're all going, aren't you right now every time I say that word? There are seven seals. And we read those in Revelation 6 and 8. And they involve war, famine, death, earthquakes. All right? Nothing very specific, but it says during this time that a fourth—if you see the fourth there—a fourth of things are destroyed. <clears throat> Each group of these seven intensifies, and then this first one—it's—it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as it's going to get. And these are the seven seals, and—and and again, in heaven they break the seal and they announce the first seal, and then the second seal, and then third seal, fourth seal, and that t- seal, seal. Until you get, and you open the seventh seal, and in the seventh seal are then revealed the seven trumpets. Those are the next thing. But before that happens, I think, comes this next event, which is called the Abomination of Desolation. And that happens halfway, three and a half years, into the last seven years of our age. And I know what you're saying, but that line is not in the middle. Okay. But the other stuff wouldn't fit that I want to put over there if I had it in the middle. (laughs) So you're just going to have to be all right with it. But pretend with me. Yeah, don't twitch. Those of you who have OCD, you're all going, it's got to be in the middle if it's three and a half years. But it's, I'm sorry. Three and a half years in. And this is where Jesus says. Now, when I say, I'm not into setting dates, but I'm not into being ignorant either. Because Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24, 5. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation taking place, as Daniel said... In parentheses, let the reader understand. In other words, you should know what it is, and you should know about it, so when it happens, you go, oh, that's it. And for us, and for me particularly, this is probably the number one reason why I don't think it's this Saturday. Again, I'd be happy to be wrong, and he can come right now. But the Scripture says that this abomination of desolation is accomplished by the man of sin, if you want to Go ahead. 2 Thessalonians 2 calls him the man of sin. A lot of you know him as the Antichrist. Alright? And the scripture says in Daniel that this Antichrist, this man of sin, comes into the temple in Israel and proclaims himself to be God. Well, if anybody other than God comes in the temple and claims to be God, that's an abomination of the holy place. And my here's my quick understanding is that during these seven seals, you know, there's wars, there's famine, earthquakes, a fourth of waters getting destroyed, a fourth of crops. You know, it's a very tough time. And the scripture teaches about this man of sin that he is actually a hero at first. And, and during this difficult time, this is my opinion, and I can be wrong, I never am, but at least in my own mind, until I change it. Uh, it, is during this difficult time this man of sin comes up on the scene and gives a solution and brings nations together and gets them all going and everybody looks at this guy and thinks, wow, he is is the leader this world's been looking for. And if you've been listening on radio and TV, often you hear about this one world order, this idea of, of all the nations becoming one, the UN kind of idea instead of individual nations. My guess is that this guy will kind of bring that about. That During this global crisis, one guy will rise to the top and just seem to have all the answers and Things work out for him and everybody will just rally around him. But he'll talk about peace and, and, and bring, bring stability to regions where there isn't any stability, particularly the Middle East in my opinion. Scripture also says that I think right before this, it says he receives a mortal wound, which means he gets killed or should have been killed and he doesn't die. Or he comes back to life after he does die by the hand of the enemy. Antichrist, it does everything Christ did, but on the wrong side. Jesus died and resurrected. This Antichrist will die and resurrect. And it's my guess that after this time that you know, we watch him get shot, which we know is not impossible, right? Or something happens, and we see him die, and we have the funeral, and right before they put him in the mosque or in the tomb or what those things are called, he pops out of the casket and goes, hey, I'm back, and I'm okay. What do you think the world's going to think? And he'll walk right into the temple in Jerusalem and go, I just want to let you know I am God. And he'll sit down in the temple in Jerusalem. The abomination, desolation, three and a half years into this. Now, the reason I think May 21st is not it, because there is no temple for somebody to go sit in and proclaim themselves God. I personally believe that the temple in Israel has to be built first. So it's a ways off. I may be wrong. That's just how I understand it. I'm just sharing with my understanding But when you see that happen, when somebody gets hurt and comes back, or at least sits in the temple in Israel and proclaims himself God, you got three and a half years. That is guaranteed in Scripture. You got three and a half years before it all comes to a screeching stop and something much better takes its place, all right? And so the man of sin comes. I think after that, when he proclaims himself God, that the real persecution starts because he is going to start to crush Christianity. And that's where we have the seven trumpets come in, Revelation 8. Through 11, now see how it intensifies. Now it's a third of everything gets destroyed fire, water, and stars, all these things. Men are tortured. Now, the cool thing in this is that starting with Trumpet 5, at least, if not before, when he, I think Trumpet 5 is when the scorpions come out of the ground and sting everybody, and men are wishing they could die. It says that he sends them out, except it says they are not to hurt anyone who has the mark of God on them. You remember the ten plagues in Egypt? And it was dark. In the land of Egypt, it was light, and Goshen, God's people were. What affected them didn't affect the people of Israel. They were under the protection of God. That seems to happen. That's good news, five-way. I like that. All right, I'm all for that. Okay, and so the seven trumpets come. Now, the last trumpet, Revelation 11:15, it says the seventh angel blows his trumpet, and there's a great sound in heaven, saying, "The kingdom of our world." has become the kingdom of our Lord and of our Christ. And the time for the rewarding of the saints happens at the seventh trumpet. Paul says the last trumpet. All over we talk about the trumpets. And then the Feast of Trumpets is in September. And so the next thing that I think happens is during the seven years is this, is that the resurrection or the rapture takes place at the seventh trumpet. Now for those of you who are Christians, this should be really good news because... The next thing that takes place are the seven bowls of wrath. And it's no longer a quarter, and it's no longer a third. Everything gets beaten on and gets beaten on hard on this earth. In fact, the scriptures say that God will not judge it with water again. I know you think that's not true, that he's trying to do that right now. But that's probably just the warm-up. What's coming is fire, a fire destruction. The scripture says that Christians are not destined for wrath. That's why I think the resurrection happens at the seventh trumpet and we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we are either lifted above it like Noah was lifted above the flood and destruction. We are caught up with the Lord in the air or some scriptures may suggest that we're actually taken to the wilderness, maybe even Mount Sinai, during while the wrath is being poured out on the rest of the world. We are there with Christ getting our game plan together as the end of the age comes. Now, how long that time of wrath is, I'm not sure. This week, I've kind of begun to think that maybe it's only 10 days long because the fifth, Trump, the fifth feast is the Feast of Trumpets. The sixth feast is the Feast of uh, the Day of Atonement, which is the Day of Judgment. And that's 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets. And so while this wrath is being poured out, the next thing to happen is that after the bowls are poured out, the church returns with Christ back to the earth to start the millennial reign of Christ, which is the day of judgment that those things happen. I don't think the wrath can take long, because when all the water on earth is turned to blood or destroyed or undrinkable, you can't do that very long. So I don't think it's days at the most, okay? That is a very quick timeline of the future. And that we need to be a little bit aware of that and, and ready. Now there are some, if you've how many have ever read or saw the movies, read the books, or saw the movies about uh, oh now just name left of mine, am um, left, left behind. How many of you have seen or read okay, the guys who write that are the, the technical term is they're pre-tribers. tribbers alright right? Pre-trib people think that before the seven years starts, way there before the seals, that Christ comes and raptures the church out while this whole seven years takes place and we we're with him for seven years. Well, all this happens and we come back at the end. I, obviously, on the other hand, I think we're probably here for all of it except maybe the last few days. I know you want to believe the other. I do too. All right. We're, I would be called a post-tribber kind of, basically, or end of the trib kind of guy. I love one guy who said, I'm so pre-trib, I won't even eat post-toasties. <laughs> but uh, what I tell folks all the time is, You need to prepare for post and pray for pre. (laughs) I would be thrilled to death to be snatched out of here before the time of tribulation comes on this earth. I am not opposed to that, just letting you know. Uh, But I think Scripture, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, and I can be wrong, I think we're here. With that in mind, we need to be preparing ourselves for that. So, if it's not May 21st, and by the way, those are the dates for the next four years for the Feast of Trumpets, September 29th, 17th, 5th, and 25th. So you should always have your ears tuned in September for the next four years, see if you don't hear a trumpet blast, uh, and get ready. But when you see that abomination take place, you've got 42 months, three and a half years, and things are going to change dramatically on this earth. I want you to turn to Second Peter chapter 3 as we wrap up this morning great that you know the whole plan of prophecy now in 15 minutes and you got it all down and securely locked away in your head what do we do go to the next slide if you will go ahead if we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air and the bowls of wrath are coming after that or the time of tribulation is coming anyway what do we do do we sell our houses put signs on campers and drive around what do we do do we set dates do we not set dates What do we do knowing that the end of the age is coming? Let's take a look at 2 Peter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter, and I'm going to try to read it quickly. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, Then the last days, mockers will come, and they're mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In other words, they're making fun of those who set dates. And by the way, this is not the first time in history that's happened. 1844, uh, Pastor Wilson uh, set a date, and they sold their houses, put on white robes, and went up to a hilltop and waited. For Christ to come. Next morning they walked back down the hill and reevaluated things. Many of them lost their faith as a result. Mr. Pastor Wilson said, Oh, I must have miscalculated something, and set another date. That date came and went, and this continued to happen. In church history, that is called the Great Disappointment. That's what that's known as the Great Disappointment. Go sitting on the hill is not the answer anyway. There's things to be done. All right. But the other side of that coin is the setting dates is those who make fun of it. I almost showed you that clip from that English, Brit- British television show. It's amazing how they make fun. They laugh. Those folks won't be laughing one day when they stand before the Lord. And Peter says that day is coming. And they've been mocking that. Oh, yeah, my grandfather's pastor told him it was close. And his grandfather's pastor, oh, yeah, they all say it as if it will never take place. And that's what Paul, Peter's talking about here. Verse five, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice by the word of God. The heavens existed long ago and the earth is formed in water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. That with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise uh, toward you. Not, uh, as some counsel, excuse me, but His patience toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Paul kind of thought that maybe the return of Christ would be in his lifetime, but it wasn't. And yet he also suggests in other places things need to take place. Man of sin to come, those kind of things. But he says we need to understand why it's not coming really, really fast. It's because God is patient, wanting as many as possible to come to salvation, to be forgiven and come to him. That's the primary thing we need to understand as we think about dates and the rapture and the end of the age. The reason it hasn't happened yet is just another hour for you to do something with the truth you know about Jesus Christ. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away and with a roar and elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works shall be burned up. It says it will come like a thief. In another passage, though, it says, but that day should not surprise you like a thief because you're in the light. In other words, for the world, it will sneak up on them like it snuck up on them in the days of Noah. They're laughing. This guy built a boat in his backyard and he keeps talking about water falling from the sky. Who's ever heard of that? Because it hadn't rained up till then. Until tut tut, it feels like rain. And they're like, oh, there's water falling on the sky. Who told us it might, Noah, boat, let's go? Too late. It caught them. It snuck like a of Night, but we're not like that for that day to catch us off guard. But he says everything is going to be destroyed with fire this time. That's why we have the sign on our corner property down there, the future temporary home of the Lawrenceville Church of God. And somebody just this week said, somebody asked him about that. That's because that's not going to last. When Christ comes, that's going to burn up like everything. Else. We're not—we're not about a building. Please hear that again. We're not about a building. It's a bigger roof to get the church under. That's all to do the ministry. It's going to burn. It's all going to burn. With a tent seat, verse eleven. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, let me paraphrase. Par, paraphrase, paraphrase. I'm back to food again, aren't I? Let me paraphrase again. Since the world is going to end, since there will be a rapture, even though they're mocking it, it's, since it's going to come, here's what we need to do about it. Since, therefore, here's what we need to do. So, this is the answer to that question. What do we do with this knowledge? Since all these things are be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? Holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord, the day of God. How do you hasten it? Scripture tells us in other places. As we share the good news of the coming kingdom and more people come to faith and more people come, we actually hasten, hurry, the day of the Lord so that it comes quicker. So we're supposed to be holy, living godly lives, looking for hastening by evangelism, the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We will be here reigning with Him in righteousness, no more trouble. Verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, here's what we do about it. Be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless, blameless, and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. In other words, do something about it. Share your faith. Whether it's the 21st of this month, this Saturday, or if it's 100 years from now, Our responsibilities have not changed. We are to be people living godly lives. If you have sin in your life that you are not dealing with, it's time to root it out. God's people near the end of the age need to be as strong as possible. And if you're okay with some sin in your life, you are not as strong as you can be. You've got to root it out. And by the way, years and years ago, before 1948, a lot of pastors didn't talk about prophecy because when they read Scripture, it said all had to do with the nation of Israel. They didn't know how it fit in. That's one reason I think we're getting closer to the end. Since 1948, nation of Israel is now a nation. And the scripture even said that it will become a nation in a day. And it did. They announced it. Israel now a nation. You ended, it. And now we're living in a time where these fulfillments, fulfillments can come. I think we're still waiting on the temple. And by the way, nightly news comes on and you see them building the temple. Get ready. Position things is getting in place. He says, What are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be righteous. Don't be content with sin in your life. It's not alright to be in adultery. It's not alright to live together. It's not alright to lie. It's not alright to cheat or to steal. To, to lie against someone. All these kind of things on and on. You know, we need to be serious with our God. Lord, what is it in my life that is, is keeping you from fully filling me with your spirit? Or I want that out. I want to be somebody who can hear your voice. On a moment's notice, if you need me, that if I need to go here or there, I'm in such a spiritual place that you can speak to me and use me. You've heard me share it before. I, I told her I wouldn't preach long. I'll try to cut it short here quick. You know, the day when Paul got struck down on the road to Emmaus, and, I'm not Emmaus, I'm, um, Damascus, thank you, uh, God called another man to come pray over him. Ananias, I think it was. I mean... I didn't plan on telling the story. My question is, was that the first guy God asked to do that that day? Or was that the first one listening? Or in such a spiritual place that he could hear God? God gave him very specific directions: Go to this town, go to this street, go to this guy's house. Inside that house is a guy by this name, and I've already told him, you're coming. Wouldn't it be neat to hear God's voice like that? If you're holding sin and living in a way you know is not right, Don't expect it. Don't expect it. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's one who gets up there and hears God's voice. It's time for us to live godly, holy lives and not be okay with our sin. And then he says, take this time of waiting as a time for you to get serious about evangelism. It's for patience, for salvation. This is who we are to be. This is what we are to do. What about you? Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the end of this age? Are you ready for his kingdom to come? You've been listening to When We Meet Him in the Air, The Rapture of the Church. What do we do about it? The ministry of Lawrenceville Church of God in Springfield, Ohio.